0: If you've been following long-distance running in Canada, chances are you probably know the story of Tristan Woodfine. He was an incredible collegiate runner, finishing a runner-up in two separate then-CIS cross-country championships. After that, he skipped the track glory to head straight for the roads, making his marathon debut in 2015, running a slightly slower-than-expected 227 high in Rotterdam. Taking a few years to refocus and recharge, Tristan moved from his university town of Guelph, Back home to the Ottawa Valley and continued to take time off of his marathon, sometimes minutes at a time. So, when it came to this year's London Marathon, even with its small 2.1 kilometer loop and unprecedented environment, we knew Tristan had a good race in him, but we didn't know how that would manifest itself in a number. Last Sunday, with an Olympic qualifying time within reach, Tristan Woodfind assumed the start position in London, England, and what you're about to hear is that story. My name is Michael Rokas, and you're listening to The Terminal Mile. This week, with special guest, Tristan Woodfine. 2.10.51, man, on a cold and rainy day on 2.15 kilometer loops after being paced by Mo Farah. That sounds like a very, very odd thing that most people will not get to experience in their lifetime. Take a look at, uh, at your World Athletics page right now. Look at, at your progression from, from a 227 in Rotterdam in 2015, progressing all the way until 2019 with a 213-16 jumping ahead to a 21051 that that gets you the olympic standard this past uh, this this past weekend in london Tristan do you do you think you finally have a man do you, do you think you finally have a good read on the event that we call the marathon
1: Yeah I I think I've got a a decent read on it right now um I think yeah every time we've gone through a build and a cycle we've you know, tinkered with the formula, you know, f- learned some things, you know, tried some new things, each build, and we've kind of slowly developed this, you know, personal marathon training philosophy. Um, but I would be hesitant to say I've got it figured out. Um, the marathon definitely has a way of humbling you, and I think it's definitely good to have a healthy fear and respect for the marathon Um as we saw Kipchoge, you know, even the greatest all time marathoner finally succumbed to, (laughs) um, the marathon and it finally got his revenge on him. So I would say I'm got a decent handle, but you know, by no means, you know, I'm master at it yet.
0: You know, it's, it's a number two ten fifty one that, that could mean so much to a lot of people. I mean, that, that puts you, that ranks you very high on the all time Canadian list. Uh, it's an Olympic qualifier, but you know, taking a look at that at that number and and taking a look at the results around you, um, you know, taking a look at say someone someone like Moen who has has a a PB in, in the two hundred five highs. You know, he ended up running a lot slower. You mentioned Kipchoge, uh, didn't quite have his day. It's, it seems like it like the race was run quite a bit slower than, than perhaps it could be. And, and that has a lot to do with, with the conditions that, that we talked about. What, what does two ten fifty one mean to you? I mean, like what, what does that race mean to you at this point?
1: Yeah, it, it's, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy, you know, to have hit that time. Um, I think going into the race, I, I was really confident I could still hit standard in crappy conditions. um, but in hindsight, I think I almost underestimated it a little bit. Um, you know, like the day before, I was still very calm about the whole situation. But I think looking at it after, the conditions were pretty crappy. And um, I think they definitely had a larger effect than I was giving them credit for going into the race. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it means a lot to still have been able to execute Um the race at the level I did, um, you know, we put a lot of a lot of work into it these last few years, you know, and there's yeah, just been so many people um, who have helped me so much, you know, get to that start line in a position to, you know, be as fit as I was. So, you know, during the race that, you know, it was a lot for those, you know, all those people. That's what I kind of came back to during those tough those tough sections was just thinking about all the people and all the time and energy and support they put into this dream of mine. So, you know, it was, you know, it's just really grateful and happy to have executed that race for them.
0: You know, you mentioned it a bit there, but you know, so, so much of the, the marathon race is, is psychological. And I have to think that you know conditions like what you saw were unlike anything that, that you've ever seen before i mean in toronto there's there's you know crowds of people who will cheer at at, uh, at different points in the race you know ottawa has pretty good support rotterdam has good support you're you're going into this uh, place in london where it was you and literally the only people who are also in the race are, are you know people who are are just as fast as you maybe maybe a little bit faster i mean like what what was that like
1: yeah it was like yeah going into the race it was very different because yeah there's no crowds we kind of just bust down there got in, into the tent and each person had their own like three by three meter tented area off within that big giant tent you know, and you had your own toilet and your porta potty and you kind of just were there and then you could go warm up, you know, and there's no crowds, like really no other people. And then you kind of just get taken out to the race, um, to the race course. And again, yeah, it's empty. Um, But then I would say that the race itself was a little more similar. I think once the race, like the gun goes off, Uh, You kind of just zone out everything anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe there is more crowd support in the other marathons, but a lot of times you don't even register that while you're racing. So really for me, the race kind of felt quite similar. You're very just sort of tuned into what's happening. And then, and then again, once you cross the finish line and it's all done again, it's very different because then there's just, yeah, there's not really anyone there you just go back to the tent and it's kind of just a very subdued atmosphere, you know, compared to your usual bigger city marathon. So yeah, it was kind of <laughs> kind of a wild and different race, but you know, I was just grateful to have any opportunity to race,
0: you know, within these times. So, I mean, like, like you seem like a, a person who has a really good head on their shoulders as far as, as taking on the beast set that, that is the marathon, you know, what was there a point in the race where you looked at your watch or, you know, you, you looked at at your splits and said, Okay, I, I've done this. I, I've gotten that Olympic standard. You know, I will PB by by quite a bit here. Like what what was when when did that moment come in the race?
1: <laughs> uh just as I rounded the last corner before <laughs> crossing the finish line. Like I mean, during the race, there was definitely... um, So, like, we had uh, coming around on each lap, like, about 100 meters past the finish line was, -hmm. like, a giant screen, and it would give you... It said your name, your placing, how many laps you had left, and your projected finish time. Hmm. So, every 2.1K, we had projected finish time, like, flash up. So, you had a pretty good idea of what you know how your pacing was going Mm. and i want to say you know like a lot of the race we were it would say anywhere between like 210 i think i saw as low as like two ten oh five, you know upwards to like 211 um so i always knew we were on pace um but this race was tough like i in a lot of previous marathons i had been able to kinda of just mentally check out a bit the first half, you know, you kinda of just hop into your pace group and just sort of let the first half kinda of just breeze by and try not to think too much. But I found it difficult to do that this race so I'd maybe chalk it up to the weather conditions, just being a lot tougher than I've ever faced. But I really felt I had to stay like mentally engaged um the whole race. Like I could never zone out and if I kinda of zoned out I felt like I was falling off pace a bit, so I it was one of those like mental grinds this whole race. So there wasn't a point where I ever thought for sure I'm getting standard, you know, and then experience had taught me, you know, that like, like at the snap of the fingers, like your race can start going downhill fast. Like the marathon is just so unforgiving um, and you really have to keep your wits about you. You can't sort of rest in your laurels like at all ever during the race and sort of, you know, feel like you've got it because things can just spiral down fast. So I think, yeah, it wasn't until I rounded that last corner and saw like two ten thirty with, you know, like a hundred meters to go or something that I was like, all right, it, it's done. Like as long as I don't <laughs> collapse, like we're good. So um, yeah, it was literally yeah the last hundred meters maybe.
0: So, so you cross the finish line you, with that excellent time, you, you have standard. What, what's the celebration like? Cause I mean like that's, that's kind of weird too, no? Like, I, I mean like John Meller would be just in front of you. He, he got standard for, for Great Britain and stuff, but you know, obviously, you know, they, it sounds like the, they. they they did a really good job of making sure that everyone was distanced and stuff when they, when they weren't running the race. What, what was the celebration like after? Like, have you, have you really had a chance yet to, you know, just to celebrate uh, what you did in that race?
1: Yeah, it wasn't really until we got, until I got home on, I guess I got home late Monday. So Tuesday was a bit more, some more celebrations, but yeah, like right after the race, it was like, kind of go back to your tent, you know, and then I had to go um, to doping control and then we hopped and then I was hopped on the bus you know back to the hotel back to your room um, and then there was a bit of a dinner that night and then the next morning went home so it was like yeah and then yeah like at the hotel and stuff and we all still have to like social distance and stuff so you know what I mean there's not really much socializing going on so yeah it was kind of a a weird um, situation but uh yeah, and I mean, once we get, once we got home, and yesterday kind of was sort of sunk in a little bit more, and was able to relax and you know celebrate a bit, and you know reflect on you know how you know good it was to have actually executed that race.
0: So you know, going into into a race like this, you know, it, it's it's more than just the the forty two point two kilometers. You know, there's a there's a lot of training that that uh, that went into it. Of course, you know that, and um, yeah, I have to say your your Instagram account is probably one of my one of my favorite ones to follow, just because you know you you lay it out uh, really well, whether it be, uh, running a 1.8 kilometer loop that you, that you made at home, uh, convincing your neighbors that, that maybe it might be a little bit off or, you know, mm-hmm. running, running a, a new best, uh, 10 K time and in, in a threshold, you know, what, what really clicked for you, uh, in the training, you know, was there, was there a point that, that you can look at where, you know, the whole build basically changed and, and like, you knew that you had this thing?
1: Yeah, I would say it was probably right around that time of that 10K I did on the track. um, We had sort of set up a, we set it up as like a bit of a fitness predictor. So we wanted to, like I do it as like a tune-up race or I guess time trial, like, you know, kind of like 97, 98% effort. We figured we'd, um, we added on the threshold stuff after to just make it a little more marathon specific and a bit, more volume but yeah like because i think that was early august um and we started the build in beginning of july and july was a really tough month i think because it was just i guess you yeah i mean you would have known it was hot like brutally hot all month um and like no rain like so i remember just Like, every workout just being such a grind to, like, being nowhere near the paces I wanted to hit. Um, But, again, like, it was, like, always, like, even early in the morning, it was still already, like, 20 degrees and humid. So, uh, I remember, yeah, right around that time, which was five weeks out, the weather started finally, like, the mornings started being cooler. You know, we hit that, like, PB'd in that workout, and then... After that day, like almost every workout was, I was like, wow, that was one of the best workouts of my life. And then the next one, would be like, wow, that was one of the best workouts of my life. And then that pattern basically continued right through till the race. So, you know, I took a lot of confidence from the fact that I had basically five weeks of just workouts that I had just never been able to touch, like anywhere close before. Um, so I, I figured I was definitely on a different level because I think sometimes you can, you know, pop out one really good workout, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can replicate that on race day, you know, cause it's, you know, sometimes you just have those days, but, you know, being able to have done it every workout for five weeks, I knew for sure it was, you know, that fitness was there for sure. And I was going to be able to access that on race day.
0: Okay. Let, let's settle this once and for all as a non Ottawa area person, whenever I run in Ottawa in the summer, it just i don 't know man it's it's like the humidity's just something completely different up there. Is this something that's all in my head, or is this uh is this a real thing like is there science to back this up do you think
1: I, I, that's a good question i don 't know if there's science, but yeah, I always feel like the weather up this way is more extreme than southern ontario whether it be like the winters it's i swear it's always colder you know here and then in the summers it's always hotter like you know having kind of lived in both i'm pretty sure that's an accurate statement but i don't, I don't, I don't know if that's science or whatnot but for sure it's, it's been an observation i've noticed as well
0: so, so let's take a look at that, that 1.8 kilometer, uh, loop. So you ran 40 kilometers, uh, around this 1.8 kilometer loop. Um, yeah. what what was the workout like that day? And, and, um, you know, what would you say probably the, the hardest part of, of trying to pull that off was, and, and do you think it actually, you know, had any effect when it, when it came to running in London?
1: Yeah. It, yeah. We did, I want to say four or five, um, good quality long run from that loop anywhere from like 32 to 40 K um, you know, and yeah, I think that the toughest part is just getting your rhythm. I think if you can get a rhythm and yeah, find that right headspace, the laps can go by pretty quick. You know, you can, it's almost actually easier than running like a long loop because there's something about getting, just going round and round if you're in that right headspace that it, the time can actually go by pretty quick it's just a tough part comes like when you start getting tired and you start counting laps and you're in that you're not in the right headspace where then the time can reverse and they can start feeling like a lot longer um so i think yeah running those loops i guess it's hard to say whether or not they definitely helped in london but i Like when I raced in London, I didn't really notice the loops or have too much trouble um, with them. So I'd like to think that doing by doing that, we prepared well and it helped. Um, But again, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, hard evidence, hard to say, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it helped.
0: Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with uh, with Cam Levins and uh, we were recounting the the time that you guys were were training in in Kenya together. Um, you, uh, you ran again with, with with Cam this, uh, this past weekend in London. Uh, I'm not sure how much interaction you got with him there, but talk to me a little bit about, uh, about your time in Kenya training together. You know, what was that like to, uh, to spend time with a guy who is, who's really a legend in, in Canadian, in Canadian sport right now?
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, he, you know, he, yeah, he was definitely been, you know, he one of the yeah, one of the best distance runners in Canada. Um and yeah, I mean I learned a lot, you know, he's yeah, working with I think he and he mentioned this and um when he was talking with you working with Jim, he saw some of the, like the workouts he was doing and it was like, Man, like, you know, it kinda makes you think like the <laughs> some of the volume they were putting in that, you know, marathon pace kind of stuff. You're like, Okay, like you know, there's definitely you know, room to grow in that department. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a great guy and, like, super open with, you know, what he was doing and, you know, and I think we got even a workout in together, like, which, I mean, kind of together. I mean, he really blew me out of the water that day. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was uh, was great to be able to run with him and kind of learn, take his brain a little bit and, you know, see, you know someone who has had a lot of success at the highest level of the sport. You know what they do and how they kind of approach running as a whole.
0: So you know that was uh, you. You were there February through to uh, through to mid March when uh, when the whole pandemic thing hit, and you know you had to you had to move into into action pretty quickly. Ditch your spring plans and stuff. Uh, you know what what was that like that that must have been pretty wild
1: yeah it was yeah it was weird yeah being there um, when the pandemic hit and stuff it uh yeah uh, yeah it happened pretty suddenly um I mean I think that was like a lot of people it was just all of a sudden things started shutting down and we came home and um, yeah it was it kind of weird to plan training and stuff um, when you really have no idea what's going on but uh, yeah I mean we kind of just took it day by day like a lot of people and just slowly you know kind of process the news and what was going on and then went from there
0: yeah. So, so, I mean, what was that like? You, you talked about starting your build in, in July. So from the time that, cause you, you were scheduled to run the, the London marathon when it was originally supposed to be slated to run in, in April. uh, You know, what did you do between, you know, the time that it was canceled and the time that you went home and, and the start of your build? I mean, like what, uh, h- how did you kind of view that time?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, like obviously invested a fair bit of time and money into going to London or um, Kenya, um, you know, for training and uh, like an altitude boost. So when we got back, we took a week just sort of short, easy runs, get over the jet lag, and kind of figure out what was actually happening. Um, and by the end of that week, we the Olympics had been canceled or uh, postponed, you know, and like everything was basically canceled and there wasn't really it was looking like there was not going to be any sort of race anytime soon so we decided to keep the momentum going you know that we had built in Kenya Um, the big thing we changed was we sort of just threw pace out the window so we did all of our training by time and effort for April, May, June, um, we like push things in training and um, like push the volume higher, the intensity a bit higher, and tried to still get really fit, but just in a slightly, almost less stressful way. You know, in terms of yeah, just not worrying about pace and just getting all this work in, and then once July hits we sort of reverted back to, you know, what we usually do, which is, you know, have a bit more data on the workouts and specific paces to hit and that that, that sort of thing. So, I mean, that was our approach to it, and it seemed to work really well.
0: Yeah, I'd say I'd say well, hey, you're back in the country now. Um you are in a mandatory 2 week period of uh of, of quarantine. How is how is that going? Have you actually watched the the London Marathon races yet?
1: No, actually we I haven't. I'm not sure if I will or not. Um I guess we'll see. We'll see if we, you know, if I feel like I want to or not, but um yeah no the quarantine's going well it's um, yeah, I mean, it's actually quarantining well on downtime is actually not the worst thing you know you're just trying to rest anyways, so I yeah, just enjoying you know some free time, you know that you don't have you know all those hours training, so um, yeah.
0: Well, see, you know, I, I was asking, you know, not not because I, I think you're some sort of narcissist or something, but I mean, like that that race has such a historic weight to it. I mean, like, I I mean, like, just so many factors going into it, whether the uh, whether it be the the caliber of the field or or the results or you know uh, hey even even where you ended up and and the people who hit uh you know standard and that sort of stuff what what was that like I mean like you have to kind of block some of the data of your head know the you know the the race happening up in front of you and you know what what cam's doing and and the guys who are around you as well
1: yeah, it's like they had some um speakers set up along um the mall i guess they call it there in front of buckingham pallet like all along there so i do remember sometimes sometime in the race like all of a sudden i would hear like a split being called out um the broadcasting for the lead group and like i remember sometimes it was like and the last mile for the lead group was like five minutes and i remember being like what like (laughs) what the heck is going on at the like in the lead group and you know and then they'd be like you hear like a 440 and then you're kind of like, so I was vaguely aware that the race up front was like unfolding in sort of a very unique, you know, and different way. Um, so yeah, maybe I should go back and sort of watch that cause it is, yeah, kind of crazy, you know, and Kipchoge being beaten for the first time and whatever it is, nine or 10 marathons now, it's yeah, kind of a, yeah, definitely one of those races I would have watched if I wasn't in it, but yeah, maybe I should go back and just kind of see how it all unfolded, you know, elsewhere in the race.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Hey, you know, now that you've run this standard, um, I mean, now what? I mean, like we, we have, you know, almost a year now until the Olympic games, uh, hopefully, you know, best case scenario where we're, you know, almost a year out, um, now now what do you do
1: that that's a good question uh, <laughs> i really didn't think a whole lot past london this year you know it was kind of like once things got canceled and then in july when we got to put london on the calendar it was like you know i kind of took it as this might be my only chance to run olympic standard like there's no guarantees Hmm. for any other marathon um so it was 100% focused on this race and now that it's done yeah I mean it's it's tough like usually you could say oh I want to do you know x race but there's no guarantee that that any of these races are going to happen so I think we kind of have to just go back to um kind of what we did before the London build which was just you know, try and just do a lot of work, you know, a little more unstructured, timed, effort-based, just get generally fit. And then once you can put a race on the calendar, you know, then kind of take your training in the a more specific direction.
0: You know, I, I really liked uh, really liked your last uh, Instagram post, and, and people can can search that out, uh, you know, at Tristan would find. Uh, but, you know, you, you thank a lot of people uh, in that post and uh, and I just say I think it's it's really neat to to show that kind of gratitude to the people who surround you and um, you know I I think we can often forget about uh, you know it's it's not just one person that that gets people uh, to where they're going you know if you wanna you know mention some of those people that's that's completely fine by me.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Like it's one thing. Yeah, I don't take for granted is the kind of support, you know, and, you know, people show, you know, cause yeah, like running, it's kind of like you do it as an individual, but sometimes it kind of blows me away. Sometimes how much, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I always think my family is really supportive, you know, my fiance and her family are really supportive and like, that's important. And then there's also like these other people who aren't your family who like just care, you know, so much and show so much support and it's just like sometimes blows your mind that like you're like wow, like you know what I mean? Like if some people really, you know, believe in you and like want to help you, you know, achieve that dream. And like I think it's a kind of a powerful thing. Like that's the one thing that really helped me get through the toughest moments in London. I was, you know, trying reflecting on all the things other people had done to help get me in that race, as fit as I was, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, I gotta just as crappy as this is right now. Like you gotta just grit it out for those people, you know. Like this is this is for them. Like you know, you're only here by you know the grace and support of other people. So kind of just suck it up and get this done, and you know, so. Yeah, um definitely grateful for all those people
0: well i you know i think i i speak for a lot of people i mean like uh the the we we're, were going back and forth be uh between uh, all the other people who were watching the race uh was almost a little bit late for work but hey man it's it's sunday morning it's all good uh hey man <laughs> i i really appreciate you being on and uh it was it was a really cool moment to to see you pull it off and you know just just the biggest congratulations and, and thanks for being on the show man
1: yeah no no thank you and thanks for having me that's uh Yeah, always nice to uh, chat about, you know, running stuff nowadays because there's not a whole lot of, you know, running news to go
0: around. Huge, huge congratulations to Tristan on his Olympic qualifying time. And big thanks to him for being on the show this week. Really appreciate it. Hey, if you like us, be sure to pass this along to your teammates and subscribe wherever you're listening. It really helps us out a lot. And it's how we can really keep this thing going. My name is Michael Rokas. You've been listening to The Terminal Mile. And remember, support your local Twilight.